This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. On Wednesday at Denver, Sidney Crosby scored one of his best goals ever. Not top five, but probably top ten. Turned some con inside out, corkscrewed him into the ice, and then he whipped a backhand into the corner. Sid's the best ever playing and shooting on the backhand. And after that goal, Sidney Crosby didn't even get one of the game's three stars. Jeff Carter was the number one star. He scored two goals, yeah, but let's reward overwhelming quality over mediocre quantity. But it's a microcosm with Sid because he's always been underappreciated. And let's face it, this is not a very good Penguins team, and Sid is doing everything possible to drag it across the finish line to a playoff berth. Gino and Latang are helping out big time too, but Sid more than anybody. And wow. What a goal. Although we certainly have to appreciate Jeff Carter scoring twice because he had scored just once in his previous 19 games. This is yet another edition of the Mark Madden podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Here now the top three list. It's the top three ways to determine who the Steelers are going to draft. Number three, who Tomlin sees at their pro day. Number two, who Tomlin eats with after the pro day. And number one, they're going to draft Peasy's kid. Uh, another Steeler note before I welcome my co-host. Uh, Terrell Edmonds uh, tweeted just a couple minutes before taping this that he's leaving the Steelers. You know, he done okay here. Maybe didn't deliver like a first-round pick should, but were he a second- or third-round pick, you'd say he... Had a pretty good career with the Steelers. But guys like him are a dime a dozen, easily replaceable. They signed KZ to a new contract, so he just jumps in that spot. And they just need a new third safety. They can get a decent one on the cheap, and life goes on. Uh, Let's say hello now to my co-host, Tom Opferman. Tom, uh, your thoughts on that Crosby goal at Denver? It was tremendous, and you had... For the entire show leading up to that game said that it's unfair to do this, but the stars who have been so great this year need to be even better in this game against Colorado tonight for the Penguins to win. And boy, did Sid ever deliver with that goal. And then Jake, too. I mean, Sid's goal overshadows Jake goal, Jake's goal, which I think was tremendous as well. The hand-eye coordination to bat that thing out of the air. I mean, just tremendous start from your stars, and then your role players took you over the finish line. Yeah, Sid had the great goal. Jake had, like you said, the, the great hands right in front of the net, although that play was started 
on the power play by Malkin with a good keep at the line. All three stars played incredible. The tank had nine, 29 minutes on and, the ice. And Insane. Malkin then with a real intelligent pass underneath. And yeah. like you said, with Tang with 29 minutes, he made the one real bad turnover that, that led to an avalanche goal. But, uh, but those three guys, they are the straws that stir the drink in Sid uh, more than anybody else. Didn't it feel kind of like the entire fan base took acid last night, though, when you saw Jeff Carter score twice? Like, the the first goal was like, what the hell's going on here? And then the second one was like, okay, this is a little bit strange. Well, I have taken acid, so yes. Very similar. <laughs> Very similar experience, especially yes. the Dumoulin pass to Carter on the doorstep for the fourth goal. Yeah, the, the two guys that Sullivan says the media picks on, <laughs> and then afterwards Carter says that he doesn't care what you guys write, which means he knows Andy cares. Yeah, did you like that, him going on the media parade right after he had his his big game? I mean, you don't blame him for it, but he's on TNT talking to Biz in the studio, then he's doing the local media too. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah, but, but dodged the media like like they had the plague when he scored once in 19 games. But hey, whatever, that's uh, that's Jeff Carter. Says more about him than it does about the media. Ain't going to last either. Like Well, and plus, when you go on that TNT show afterwards with Biz, yes. you ain't going to get asked no hard questions. You're not going to get asked about scoring one goal in your previous 19. It's going to be fun and games and jokes and, hey, you scored two goals, Big Jeff. Yeah, and setting up on the tee the whole narrative of, oh, people have been a little tough on you lately. I bet that felt pretty good, right, to put those two goals in the net. Right, because nobody should have been tough on Jeff Carter for having had just one goal in 19 games. Speaking about things that aren't going to last, Jari, a couple good games for him now. I, I just don't see him stringing together a good performance down the stretch. I think this is the outlier, and he's going to turn back into maybe not as bad as he had been playing, but he ain't going to be this good down the stretch. I honestly don't know. Uh... I think you're probably right. I don't discount him uh, playing well down the stretch, though, because he's in a contract year, and that is a hell of a motivator. What disappointed me the most about Jari last night was he had two clear shots at the empty net <laughs> and, and didn't hit him. Uh, I like a goalie goal. Jari scored one for Wilkes in the minors back in 2018, and uh, he followed the protocol last night, too. He was up by two. So the risk right. isn't as bad. You know, the turnover, the icing, it could hurt you, but it can't beat you. Not then and there anyway. But he just couldn't hit the net. And like I said, those were two clear opportunities. Yeah, I know. And you could tell by his facial expression in the team that he felt like he should have nailed both of those. You know what you can't do, though? And, and again, I would like to have seen an angle from behind one of the nets on his attempts. You can't shoot right down the middle if right down the middle is blocked. Right. You can't shoot right into a keep. So, so even though you're trying to hit the net, maybe he did the right thing by playing it safe with the placement. Yeah, that's probably true. You could also, do, you maybe need to play a little billiards, right? Try to bank it off the wall, get a little angle going there, try to get that on that's net. That's a long way away. <laughs> to bank and then come back. Especially with the ice being at the end of a period, the right. puck's going to slow down. It's going to slow down for people to catch up. I saw in 1975 when the Islanders came back to beat the Penguins from being down three games to none in the quarterfinals. Right. Uh, I forget which game it was. It might have been. Oh, I know it was. It was game five at home uh, to make it three games to two. The Penguins were buzzing the Islanders' net to try to tie the game with the Goliath. And Jude Drouin um, hit a bank shot from his <laughs> own end. Like he he shot it from the, from the left circle in his own end off the boards into the net. And I don't know how the puck maintained momentum, like I said, on bad ice. In the third period, but it went all the way in. And I remember, I think it was Bobby Paradise, one of our defensemen, although he wouldn't have been out there. Maybe it was Stackhouse, one of our offensive guys, chasing back and like flailing to try to keep it out, and it just trickled <laughs> in.
Is there any point to trying to predict what happens from here on out with the Penguins? Everything you, you rightfully say should happen, it seems like the team goes the other way. Here's what I can predict. Here's one thing I feel very yeah. comfortable, Tom, in predicting. It will go down to the very last game. That game in Columbus is yes. going to matter to yes. get into the playoffs. Yes. Well, good for the Penguins then that they play Chicago and then Columbus for those last two games in the season. So, Tom, Tom, they, they've gone five and zero against Tampa Bay and Colorado. <laughs> That's who, what I mean. Who were the two Stanley Cup finalists last year? Zero and three against Montreal. Lost to San Jose here in Pittsburgh as well. You can't tell the result by who the opponent is. You you can't predict. They they beat some of the good ones and they lose to some of the bad ones. Yep, can't peg this team. And the defense core is in shambles with injuries right now, and yet they are coming off of back-to-back games now yielding just two goals. So go figure, right? Like what what do you do from here on out from a prognostication point of view? It Like you said, it just is probably going to have to be an excruciating ride for the last 10 games, and then in that 11th game, that last game against Columbus, you either get in with a win or you lose. Well, as Hank Williams Jr. once said, Tom, you can't judge the daughter by looking at the mother, and you can't judge a book by looking at the cover. I know that because it was Dusty Rhodes' <laughs> entrance music for a while. One great thing, though, that's going for them right now, and so huge for the Flyers to do us a favor and beat the Panthers earlier this week. Go figure that would happen. But getting up a point on the Panthers because I know the Penguins are in kind of a tough stretch right now, but Florida's got Toronto, then they got the Rangers, then they go at Ottawa, and then they go at Toronto again. So that ain't exactly an easy stretch of four games for Florida either. Penguins got to take advantage of figuring they're going to drop a couple points there. You know, talking to Philadelphia doing the Penguins a favor, I was at the uh, breakup dinner for the Marilee Move Fantasy Camp, which is an incomparable event. And one of the ex-Penguins said to me, listen, why would they hire a flyer to run the team? <laughs> and, and I'm kind of laughing. I go, what, you think he, he sabotaged the team? And they go, no, no, but why would you do it? Why would you bring in that guy to run your team? He's a flyer. And, and I go, well, are you sure you don't think he sabotaged the team? And he goes, no, I just think he did a terrible job, but I just wouldn't bring in a flyer. And, and you know what? I kind of agree. No, that's an incredibly level-headed take. Like, we get idiots all the time calling into the show and thinking that Hextall's sabotaging the Penguins for some revenge from his days in the Flyers. Although that said, a couple seconds later, I talked to ex-Flyer Max Talbot. So, <laughs> so, so, so... Uh, no, but yeah, I think Hextall's just really bad at his job. But you're right, it is a little bit of a peculiar move for the Penguins to go after a, an all-time Flyer and have him be their GM, especially when he already failed as the Flyers' GM. Like, all of his success came being the guy next to the guy in L.A. Well, that's that's what right. got him the next chance in Pittsburgh. That's right. You know what's funny, though? As being the assistant GM in L.A., he would have been responsible for a lot of detail work. And here in Pittsburgh, <laughs> th- that's the thing he, he just Screwed is Screwed up the cap royally. Yeah, like, you know, like, clearing the cap to make moves at the deadline should have been done months before. Instead of in a panic just before, and and that's the detail work, and he didn't do it. All right, let's do good cop, bad cop. Today's topic is Gatorade flavors, because I know you've been pounding Gatorade like crazy right now. Right, I, I've had a stomach virus, a, a, some kind of bug, and yeah, Gatorade makes me feel a lot better. It is really a cure-all. It's the best. I love Gatorade. I drank Gatorade from high school up. I, I probably drink about two Gatorades a week, I'd say. I drink Gatorade Zero, the no sugar Gatorade at all. 
Good cop, bad cop for me. Good cop, I have orange-flavored Gatorade. I think universally that's the one that's most loved. And across the genres, like Gatorade Zero, G2, regular Gatorade, orange is pretty much consistent. You have that, you're going to like what you're having. Gatorade orange is one of the flavors I had this week to battle my bug. Um, you're right. It's like it's orange, but not too orangey. It's right. not like too. It's not like orange soda y. Uh, so I think it's real good. My my favorite Gatorade flavor ever. They used to have, unless I really have a memory glitch, they used to have a lemonade, not lemon lime. But no, I lemonade. think you're right. I think one of the brands, because again, they have so many different offshoot brands of Gatorade. I think that one of them was lemonade, and it sounds delightful. I've never had it. Lemon lime used to be one of my favorites, the original Gatorade, but. Over time, I think just drinking it so much in college, especially after nights of drinking, it just wore on me. And it's just like, I'm done with lemon It is a great hangover cure. Oh, it's the best. And uh, and I also like that there's, I don't know what the flavor, it's the dark red. Is it cherry? Is it raspberry? It's like just a dark, oh, it's fruit punch. The fruit punch that's flavor? That's what it is, it's fruit punch. See, that's another one that kind of wore on me. I used to drink that as a kid all the time, and then it kind of just got a little too old. So I've graduated. Grape is kind of an off-the-wall flavor that a lot of people don't have, but I think is tremendous. Bad Cop, I've got Glacier Freeze. It's yeah, kind of like the light blue one. Terrible. And you know, what, you know what's really bad about it? I can't convince myself that it won't taste the way it looks. Like, I can taste how it looks, and it looks like something I don't want to drink. It kind of just feels like a sugary water, almost, to me. Like, there's just not much flavor there. It looks like a Slurpee gone bad. Yeah, another one for Bad Cop is Glacier Cherry. Now, this one's one of those drinks where you drink it, and you think it's good for, like, a couple sips, right? But then after, like, four or five, you're like, this is too much. I can't drink any of this You know know what that's like, speaking of Slurpees? Like, as you know, I like cola, like Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. A cola Slurpee. You think it'd be good? Oh, yeah. It's not. You don't like cola slurpees? I don't know why, but it's not. All right, I want to force you into some Steelers talk again. Okay, go ahead. Edmonds, I think you're right on your opening take. No loss. Just small potatoes kind of thing. It would have been nice to see that trio there, but I think that they're just going to sign another safety, like you said. I think you could do the same things. With a different person? With a different person. I think Demonte Casey, as I've said, him being a Swiss Army knife is what makes their three-safety combo work. Uh, Terrell Edmonds played okay here, but I think he's kind of generic. I think you can make things work with somebody else. I think KZ also has a track record of being a better player in the NFL as well, even though Edmonds is younger. I mean, he led the league in interceptions He's a better ball hawk. Uh, There you go. He's around the ball more. All right, that's all I really care about about the current Steelers, though. You made a little national news this week with Ben Roethlisberger and your interview on the show. damn right. 49er stuff. I'm interested to play the hypothetical of if he did actually come back from retirement and go to the 49ers, would they be in the same spot that they were in? I yes. tend to think yes. Yes, although uh, would they have got to the Super Bowl? I don't know about that. I don't know if they beat the Eagles in that game, but I, I think they're still in that game. Like, I think they make it to the NFC title game. I fear for Ben with that Eagles pass rush. But then again, like... Big th- they, they, they hurt both the Niners I know, but the Bob. big thing that was a problem in that game was, for whatever reason, they decided to put their backup tight end on Hassan Reddick, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. You don't think Ben would have seen that at the line of scrimmage and been like, listen, Kyle, I know that this was the game plan, but this is effed up, man. Like, I'm putting a lineman over Ben would have adjusted better exactly. to what happened in that game. Exactly. Whether it would have been enough to win that game, I do not know, but I, I would not put it past him. And as far as, like, Purdy being naive and just kind of looking away from Reddick and just waiting until he got hit and hurt, we know what Ben looked like at the end. He ain't getting hit by Hassan Reddick. He's throwing that ball to the popcorn vendor before he ever even has a chance to breathe on him. So I tend to think that he would have had them in that same exact spot, which intrigues me. I kind of wish he would have come back. But, but, but then again, you know, at his age and coming back cold 
Although Ben's still in pretty good shape now. Yes. You know, Ben at his best always did look like kind of a real good beer league softball player. Uh, but but coming back cold at that age, I fear he might have got hurt, not necessarily in that Philly game, and not even from getting hit, just from some, you know, non-contact injury or something like that. And it's it's great to just have him have the soundbite of saying, I couldn't picture myself winning a Lombardi in anything but the black and gold, which begs the question, where does he rank now on the all-time list of quarterbacks that stuck with one team? Because he's right up there, and you could probably make the argument that he could be the best. I think there's a great nobility for any athlete to have played his whole career with one team. Now, back when, before there was free agency, it was it was legislated and unfair. Of course. Like people always say about Roberto Clemente, Roberto Clemente wouldn't have been a power his whole career had he been given the option to leave for more money. Which I don't think Terry would have left back in the 70s for the Steelers, but that's why I think it's kind of more impressive for Ben and gives him the edge in that category because Ben did it in the era of free agency. Yeah, and you look at guys like Aaron Rodgers, who's going to switch gonna teams. going to leave. Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Brady, Tom Brady. Montana. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, one he, thing about Ben. He really could be argued, though, for the greatest of it. Elway's there, Marino's there, but you could literally bring a case to the table for Ben being the greatest to never leave, and you wouldn't be laughed out of the room. No, I think it's probably Marino just because of his records, yeah. you know, his stats, but he never won. Right, exactly. And ben won twice. So you, yeah, you can definitely make an argument for Ben. Uh, you know, it's funny because I still think Ben played a year too long. But then again, look how the year ended and all the great scenes we had from him, you know, rallying the team to get in the exactly. playoffs and uh, the last home game with his family, you know, in the runway after. So I'm glad he played that extra year. But But if you think about it, most quarterbacks play more than one year too many. I mean, you know, I think, you know, Brady played one year too many for sure. Yes. Just one, though. Um, and Brady did the thing where he retired initially and then came back, which Ben you, never did. You know who got really lucky? Peyton Manning played several years too long, but his last year, Denver was a defensive juggernaut, and he knew how to manage them to wins. Peyton was so bad that year that there was legitimate debate on, is it Brock Osweiler or is it Peyton Manning that you'd want to start for the— Denver Broncos in their playoff run. Like, that's how bad it was for him at the end. And you're right. It didn't end exactly gracefully for Ben. How can it? Like, even Elway on the way out the door, he was carried by Terrell Davis in that running game from Denver and Shanahan as a head coach. Like, all the greats need help at the end to look somewhat decent. And I am so grateful for him and for us as fans of him that he didn't hang on for two or three years too long because it could have started to look real bad. I think had it been up to him, he might have. Well, I think maybe in retrospect he might thank the Steelers for that. I don't know about <laughs> that, but but yeah. All right, let's get to five guys. Today's five guys topic are artist, music artist who tried to go solo and failed. Ooh, this should be good. This should be good for you. I did a lot of research on this Because Peter one. Gabriel, you heard me talk about that on my show. Yeah. The former Genesis lead singer who's had a great solo career. He's he's coming. He's touring for the first time in over 10 years, and he's coming to PPG. But But that happened so long ago. I don't know how many people really remember that he was the original lead singer of Genesis. Yeah, he doesn't and, qualify for the list. He's a great solo artist. And originally, they were a prog rock band and became like a pop. I right? had to have been pissed, right? Yeah, I would I'd think. be pissed if I was Oates. And wow. I, I wouldn't say better, but much more successful. All right, number five today, I have Mick Jagger. Never really had a great solo career. And in my research in doing this Five Guys, Mark, I found out that his feud with Keith Richards really helped drive down his success as a solo artist. Like, people would side with Keith instead of him. I don't know that it uh, it diminished Mick's uh, success as a solo artist as much as his solo work wasn't very good. 
It lacked the bite of the stuff he did with the Stones. With the Stones, there was a, a, a yin and yang, a pushback between Mick and Keith with, with other, you know, great musicians like Ronnie Wood and Charlie Watts having input as well. Right. Like that, that's like Freddie Mercury who 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 tried to go solo. I don't know if he's Spoiler on the list. Okay. But but he he said he said you see it in the movie, the Queen movie. Exactly. That you know, he when he was allowed to do whatever he wanted, it wasn't as good. Yeah, you needed that creative influence need, from everybody. You need tempered. You need put in your place once in a while. Number four, Daryl Hall from Hall and Oates. I didn't even know he tried to go solo. Yeah, tried to go solo, and there you go. Didn't succeed at all, to the point where you're not even familiar with it. Was Oates pissed? <laughs> he had to have been, right? He had to have been pissed, right? Yeah, I would I'd think. be pissed if I was Oates. Number three, Connor for real, pop star. Never stop, never stop, and leaving the style, boys. One of the worst moves you could ever do. That remains one of the best rock movies in memory, documentaries, you yeah, mean. Uh, rockumentary. Yeah, in fact, I forgot to put that in my in my list the other day. My oh, top that's five right. list. Uh, that just slipped my mind. I consider that to be Spinal Tap for a <laughs> a a modern generation. It's that good. It's so funny when he's like at the table when he drops the solo album and he's like, "I love reading from my fans," and he like opens up all the internet comments and they're all <laughs> terrible. Like they're all just dragging him. It's like Vanity Fair, Pitchfork. Like all the reviews are just awful. And the one good review is from the Onion, <laughs> yeah, and it's obviously right. a parody. But he loves it. Connor Freel had to put him on the list. All right, number two is what you just said, Freddie Mercury. It was obviously well detailed in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Yeah, although solo how stand. much of that was word for word factual in that movie, I don't know. The timeline was skewed a little bit, you know that. And they also, was it his lover in real life that kind of drove the spear in between those band members and him? Because that's what the movie made it seem to be, right? The guy he was with at the time was kind of toxic for him. Well, I don't, I don't know if, if they were uh, boyfriends as much as they were... I mean, Freddie was, you know, a big fan of casual sex. Right. But but he was involved in the management. You mean you mean uh, Paul Prenner? Yes. Yeah. Uh, him driving that stake, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I, I really don't know. I've read conflicting accounts, but I think every movie needs a villain. That's a good point. Number one, Roger Daltrey. Left the Who. Well, did he leave the Who or do it as a side project? You tell me. I don't know. And again, Roger Daltrey's solo uh, output was so insignificant, I, I don't remember any of it. I, I remember more of Pete Townshend's solo work okay. than I do Roger Daltrey's. Anybody you would add to the list off the top of your head that I might have forgotten? Because I know you're more much more musically inclined than I am. Not really. I mean, you go in, in my sphere. I mean, UFO, that never happened. White Snake, that never happened. Um Sammy Hagar has always been like a, a separate solo act, but but separate but equal, except when Van Halen got mad at him, and <laughs> then that was the end of that. No, that's a that's a pretty good list. I might have had Mick Jagger higher up the list though, because as arguably the most famous rock and roll singer ever, you would have thought that anything he did would succeed, and it really is amazing. I mean, I can't even remember the album's name. Yeah, I should have looked that up when I was doing my research. I don't know the album's name. Either. I mean, Ronnie Wood did better solo albums than <laughs> Mick Jagger. No, no, seriously, Ronnie Wood. No, it puts it in a good perspective. Ronnie Wood did four or five excellent solo albums, and he toured uh, with Keith Richards in his band as the New Barbarians back when I was in in my first couple years of college, and I saw him, and they were awesome. You know, everybody thought Mick would show up. You know, like it'd just right. be a surprise, or Rod Stewart because he was on. Ronnie Wood's solo albums as well, but no, it was just uh, Ronnie and Keith and uh, Stanley Clark, who was, believe it or not, a great jazz bass player, 
uh, Ziggy Modelesti, who was the drummer for the Meters, Bobby Keys on sax, who toured with the Stones a lot, Ian McLagan from Faces wow. on keyboards. It was a great lineup. Yeah. And, and they they did a couple Stone songs, but that was it. Otherwise, it was Ronnie Wood stuff, covers. They did what they did. And it was the, still just as good in your mind. Yeah, I loved it. I, yeah. I, went, I, I saw him in Pittsburgh, went to see him in Cleveland a couple nights later. That's how good it was. Um, they did uh, Honky Tonk Women, and they did... Uh, Keith did Before They Make Me Run, which is one of his songs from the Stones. Okay, yeah. And that was it. Other than that, mostly Ronnie Wood stuff. I think my biggest regret now looking at the list again is Connor For Real being third. He he probably should have been number one. Leaving the Style Boys was a crucial, crucial mistake. The uh, the, the best part of the movie, for me, the, the inspirational scene. At the end when you wonder if he's going to do the Style Boys song or the solo <laughs> song. Because it's you know it's, his time's been cut. Yeah. And he sings the first line. From that one style, from the one solo song, the real offensive one. Yeah, I'm gonna. Um, what was it? The girl I want, I want you to f me like the U.S. <laughs> f Bin Laden. But then he goes to the Style Boys, and it was great. It was, it was very cool. All right, the Penguins have 22 possible points remaining. How much of those possible points do you think they need to grab to get this playoff spot? I wish I knew. Um, I feel like they should get ten. Just kind of looking at the opponents, if they, if they, they can get scratch 10, out loser points, they get 10, no, I'm saying like it. that should be the bare minimum. Like I think they should. Like you put ten in the bank right now. Like right now, in my mind, they have ninety. Like I think fifteen probably gets in. Fifteen out of twenty-two. Yeah, and I'd feel real good about sixteen. Do I think they're going to get sixteen? No, <laughs> that's a lot of work to do over twenty-two. Have to go eight twenty-two three. possible points. Eight yeah. Three. See, I still think that there's a hope that the teams behind them kind of fade. Florida kind of fades down the I think if they went 6-4-2, and and that would be uh, 14 points, gives you a shot. Probably. Like, again, so you're saying 16 points is no matter what the rest of the league does, you think that gets in. Yes, yes. Florida can't do anything to stop you. Don't you think that? Probably, but... I think they could probably get down to 13-14 and then sweat it out and see if maybe Florida falls to a, a Philadelphia team or well, I think the it Islanders goes, I think slip. it goes to the last day. Do you think it's between Florida and Pittsburgh now? Do you think New York's kind of stabilized their spot? I know the Penguins still have a game in hand at them as we do this, and they're two points back. But I would bet on the Islanders because the closer you get to the end, the more the goaltending is going to count. Are you going to watch the NCAA tournament at all this weekend? No. You don't watch it at all? No. What if it gets to the Final Four? No. Not a national championship game? No. I used to watch... You watched Duke and Carolina last year, right? Just because that was such a amazing moment, Krzyzewski's last game, no. Final Four. Really? I thought no. you talked about that on the show. Maybe I lied about having watched it. Probably. I, I do that all the time. It's good radio. Uh, but... Uh... But no, I used to watch the final when I was in the block pool, the thousand dollar block for the final score. But I'm not in it anymore, so I just I don't bother. I, there's like I might do a show sometime or maybe a podcast about the things I'm just not interested in. That'd be pretty like, good. I, I'd I be like to be along for the ride for that. I don't know what's going to happen when the Penguins are done in baseball starts because I'm just not interested. I know, and they're going to suck again this year, aren't they? So royally bad. That'll be at least funny. It's always funny how they always work themselves into a tizzy. Well, what, what, what the fanboys with the Pirates is. I am hoping dearly that they either get off to a real good start or a real bad start. Okay. I think I could work with either of those. But um, I think the best way to go about it is to have a really good first half of the season, or not a really good one, but one that inspires some hope, and then just go in the tank down the stretch because then you can rip them right in the Steelers' training camp. Well, you know what I, I, I want my show to be based on moving forward after hockey is I just watch TV now. 
Yeah. I'm just this old guy who watches TV and movies, and I have shows on Netflix. It's and, never better to be a guy Hulu. who loves TV. There's so much content out there. Too much. But I hoped I would never be that, but now I'm 62 and I am. Here's how I watched this movie the other day. Did you see a movie called Logan Lucky? No. It's it's about from 2017, I think. It's a good ensemble cast. It's, uh, it's Channing Tatum, Adam Driver, uh, Daniel Craig. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, um, Who's who's the girl who got crippled in the Clint Eastwood fight movie? Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank, yeah. Hillary Swank. Uh, uh, who's the who's the ex Tom Cruise wife? Katie Holmes. Okay. Yeah, it, it's, star studded. Yeah, it's a it's a good cast, and uh, it's about these hillbillies who rob the Charlotte Motor Speedway, like it's a bank robbery <laughs> type thing. Okay. Now here's how I watched it. Here's how is I'm, it based on a true story? No, no, no. I, I don't think <laughs> sounds so. like it could be. Here's how I am liable to watch stuff now, Tom. Okay, I got up the other day, and it happened to be on HBO, right? Yeah. So I watched the first 40 minutes. Then I had to get ready to go to work, so I took a shower. I did a little bit of show prep, but I, I got back to the TV in time to watch the last 20 minutes. Then today, I got up, I got the movie up again on On Demand, and I watched the middle part. So I watched first third, last third, middle third. You watched it out of order. Yeah. So you watched it like a Tarantino movie, but it wasn't intended to be watched that right. way. Right. I made this Logan Lucky movie into a Tarantino movie. And you just did that on accident? Like it just kind of played through while you were doing show prep and showering? That's because that's just the way my time availability fell. And you didn't pause it when you went to go shower? And no, no, no. You no. just let it roll through? Yes. Okay, I see what you yes. mean. Yes. And I did watch, to be fair, I watched the middle third today, and I rewatched the end. You just kept rolling through. Like, once you got to the point, you weren't like, okay, I'm done. I've seen the whole movie. Right. No, no. But it you was, liked it? You liked the movie, even though you watched it in that weird way? You know what's funny? Uh, I think Adam Driver's an excellent actor. Yes. And I think, despite his beefcake persona, I think Channing Tatum has become mm -hmm. a good actor. Of course. You saw him in This Is The End. Yeah. You couldn't yeah, find a better yeah. gimp. That boy. He has been asked if he regrets that, and he says yes very much. <laughs> like, you wonder how he got talked into doing that. I don't know, but I'm so thankful for Seth Rogen or whoever did it for doing it. Dude, that's Channing Tatum. <laughs> He's like, what's up, boys? Like, what's how y'all doing? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but that's what I do. Like, like I'm, actually, I'm actually mad at myself now because I've been watching 1923, and I've been watching uh, The Mayor of Kingston, and I'm behind on both. And I haven't even watched the first episode yet of the, uh, what's the new Bob Odenkirk series on AMC? Oh, I don't know the name of it, but I, I saw the Larry, trailer Lucky Larry, Lucky Henry, Lucky somebody. You can't go wrong. Any of his vehicles are great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Succession's going to start soon for you, so yeah, that's I mean, going to put things down the order. How can I? You haven't even started Ted Lasso yet, and that's like three seasons in, and you just still haven't gotten around to it. You know why I think that is? I think subconsciously, when I watch series... Bang, 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 one episode after the other through the end on my treadmill. Comedy doesn't work as well. I don't know why, but comedy doesn't work as well on the treadmill. You, oh, are you talking about like watching them in succession too? Like you kind of need one episode at a time for comedy and then a break? Oh, no, 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 no. You no, just mean I while just, you're working out, you can't really laugh. Comedy doesn't, doesn't enthrall me and detract me from doing the treadmill the way drama does. So that'll be an, a show that you'll have to watch not working out then. You'd have to just be hanging out in your living room. I don't room. know. I mean, I'll watch it sooner or later. It's too good not to. And I'm a big Sudeikis fan. Yeah, that's why I think you'll love it is because of him and his character. I'm, I'm sure I will. Do they do they beat, Do they they beat? play Liverpool ever? 
They do not play Liverpool, at least to my knowledge, they haven't yet. There but they do play all the big teams. There used to be this English series, uh, a, a soccer dramedy. It was like a soap opera called Dream Team. And it was really bad. Okay? It was really <laughs> bad. And it was out for about seven or eight seasons. Okay? And, and the, the, the final episode, the, the fictional team was Harchester United. And... Uh, Carl Fletcher was the protagonist for almost the whole series, a striker, and he got killed in season six. He came back in the final season as a ghost to inspire uh, Harchester's current striker, who they had found working in a tire shop to score the winning goal that wins the Premier League finally for Harchester. You said this was bad? That sounds like great TV. No, a was, ghost I, helped the team win. I can't describe how bad it's it like was. It's like angels in the outfield, but for soccer. It was terrible. But... Um, so I, but, but it was on at the time. What was it? Fox Soccer Channel, which okay. doesn't exist anymore. So I would watch every episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it was just on, and I don't know if the producer hated Liverpool. Every time they played Liverpool, they'd beat them. <laughs> every time, and they would they would have actual Premier League highlights. They had to deal with the Premier League, and they would colorize the jerseys of the opponents. To Harchester jerseys. Okay. So it would look at a glance like Harchester, Harchester were playing, was playing Liverpool. Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. Yeah. yeah. Like like one year, Harchester got relegated to the AAA league, and they played Liverpool in the FA Cup and beat them 4 nothing. See, that's what I'm I... Going, what, are you, what are you doing? That's what I like about Ted Lasso, though, is the realism about it, where it's like, these are actual teams in the Premier League, and it's so believable for a sport like that, because AFC Richmond could have risen up from some bummy well, league true. that you never true. heard of them before. So it it's doesn't look, before. It doesn't look out of place, like if it was an NBA movie or something like that, and you just made up a team and threw them in the NBA. You're like, what the? That like doesn't make sense. Like with Whoopi Goldberg coaching, or whatever the frig that movie was. That is Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. Thank you for listening once again to the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And I implore you, I beseech you, I command you, bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.